Well, I think I would be remiss if we didn't begin this podcast without some mention of uh, the late, how, I can't even say that. I know. The late, great Roy Halliday. Doc, I got a text today while, while I was uh, getting into my car, and uh, it said Roy Halliday might be dead. And I was like, what? It's kind of, it's still weird. That's exactly how it started for me. I mean, you get the news that his plane had gone down, and the first thing you think of is, well, okay, was he piloting his plane? Chances are likely, and then it didn't take long to put the pieces together. Anyway, I'm look, this is the Farwell and Pope podcast. We focus on stories in the Ontario Hockey League, but this is one of those things, I think, that transcends hockey or junior hockey or whatever. It's uh, humanity here. And Roy Halliday, uh, right up there for me with Dave Steeb. Now, I'm a little older than you, Popper, so you probably feel it's all Halliday all the time. Steeb would have been... Oh, I still... Dave Steeb... Of course. If if not one, one B yeah. to, to Roy, right? right. Like uh, we're, we're talking greatest J pitcher? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Steeb, Steeb is probably one, I depending on the generation, but I can see why Halliday would be up there, but... Steve Steve was great. He and so was so was Doc. Oh, I, I mean, the way he worked, uh, and I mean that by ethic and on the mound. I mean <laughs> the, the quick. I, what I loved most, and and then we'll get on with hockey. But what I loved most is the way Halliday would receive the ball back from the catcher and be set before the batter was even ready to look at him yeah. again. And to me, that's pure intimidation. He's right? like, I don't care how ready you think you are. I'm going to put a pitch past Yeah, it. you could go to a Friday or a Saturday afternoon game at the Dome at 1 o'clock, still make it to your friend's wedding by 3. <laughs> that if, also if true. If he was on, it yeah. was like, I'm going to go for an hour and a half. Like, you had to power drink if you were there, you know, trying to get a buzz on. You had to power drink if Roy was pitching because you knew you weren't going to be there very long. It's so good. I, like, I said to my, I uh, got a couple texts from my buddies who work at Sportsnet at West, and uh, we didn't hear from the one guy. We have a group going and <laughs> One guy joked that he was worried about him. Like, we haven't heard from him. And I said, I'm kind of worried about myself. Like, I lived in Toronto going to a sports college in the days of when Jay's tickets were two bucks yep, I on a Tuesday. Yes, sir. And it wasn't, the, the answer wasn't yes or no when, it, when someone asked you, do you want to go to the Jay's game? It wasn't, yeah or no. It was, is Doc going? Because then you go. If he wasn't, what? why? And that's the thing. He was a star for a baseball team in that city when the team was, quite frankly, not very good. I was the exact same way. And, of course, I'd make the trip from Kitch to visit a buddy in Toronto. We'd go to a lot of ball games, but that was the question. We'd actually plan. We'd buy these 10-game flex plaques, or flex, mm-hmm. flex packs, uh, 20, 20 tickets, 10 games, and we would plan our outings around holiday starts. Yeah. Simple and why that. not? Of course. They were per- I, my good friend Kirby Barber who now works in Toronto at a sports network. He his dad's company had uh right by the third base second row up. And his dad couldn't go or someone couldn't go so he had an extra ticket for when AJ Burnett came back for the first time. Nice. And it was Doc and AJ. That place was insane. And it was the first time I had ever seen Doc that close, and it was the first time. And I say it all the time, and I've heard, I'm sure you've heard me say it. 
I love it when an athlete knows he's better than the other person or the other team. And he's just like, like we see it all the time with Kershaw. He just goes out there and he's like, I'm winning today. And sorry, there's nothing you can do about it. That's what we saw from Doc. A.J. Burnett was on fire that game. It didn't matter. It didn't matter who the other, who the Yankees had. It didn't matter that they had A-Rod and Jeter. It was, it was Doc and he went out and he was just like, I'm winning this game and I don't care. And I was listening to uh, Bobcat on the way in today, and he was he had Zahn on, and he Zahn was saying that it was every time Doc pitched, it was a mental day off for him. He knew. Well, here we go, automatic win day. Like you look at Doc's numbers, he has, oh, he has 98 more wins than losses. He's 203 and 105. Yep, that's crazy. The saddest part about it, I hate to say it now, but 203. Ain't 300, and that's the benchmark for pitchers, right? I think it was. I think back in the day, like, it was a hard benchmark. For sure. Right? It was like... Kind of like 500 dingers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you... And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal the quote exactly from Bobcat, but if you saw him, you'll vote for him. Yeah. I, we were listening to the same thing on yeah, our way right? here to record this podcast. It was just pure dominance when, when he was out there. I watched, I, I went to the entire series when he came back as a Philly over the Canada Day weekend that one year. And of course, he took out the lineup card. Uh, he, he wasn't starting that first game, so they sent him out with the lineup card. Then I went back on the Saturday, if I recall that correctly. Anyway, yeah, I saw every game in that series, uh, that, that Canada Day weekend. And it, it's, sorry, just to interrupt, but it's almost tough to talk about him without mentioning the no hitter oh. in his playoff debut against Cincinnati. That's only Roy, right? Right? Only Roy. Like, everyone was talking about, can he hack it in the playoffs? Can he hack it in the playoffs? How about a no-no? I think I can. <laughs> Shut I think up. I, guys, I got know? this. <laughs> 40 years young. Uh, far, far too young to yeah. lose a guy like him. It's, uh, it's, and it's weird. It's one of those, and we've seen it, uh, maybe it's just a lot more often lately because of the age I'm getting to, but those people in fame positions athletes, musicians, actors, where you feel like you have a connection to that hit home. I feel like working in the news business in the past, it really desensitizes you to a sure lot of things. Sure does. Sure does. But when the, the first was Gord Downey recently for me, that one I was pretty torn up about. And this one was Roy Halladay was my hands down, my favorite Jay of all time, hands down my favorite Major League Baseball player of all time. It was just one of those... and. Yeah, like living in Toronto and going to all those games, I'd always go to Doc games. It didn't matter. I would miss class. I don't care. Doc's pitching. I'm in a sport, <laughs> sports college. I remember we got called in once. Anyone who went to school with me will laugh. We got called in once because the Leafs were hosting their uh, outdoor practice that they always do. And uh, we went to it. And we were trying to get some audio, little goal getters. And we got reamed out because we missed class. We were going to cover the Leafs practice. What kind of college were you going to? It anyway? was awesome. Somebody talked to somebody it was about awesome. that. All right, let's um the point of this particular podcast. Believe it or not, somehow some way we have reached the quarter pole of the Ontario Hockey League season, which I, I don't know, it just it feels like we got here in an awful hurry. And as noted by Stevie, who sent me an email, by the way, sponsors availability is still here on the Farwell and Pope podcast. Mike at 570news.com. Stevie didn't offer to sponsor, but he offered this little gem and that is isn't it strange that the Ontario Hockey League is essentially taking the entire week off? I thought it was strange for us as the broadcast mm-hmm. duo for the Kitchener Rangers because we've been going three and three for consecutive weekends, and it's all of a, a sudden lot. it has. And all of a sudden we played a Friday night game, and that's okay. See you next Friday. 
well, the entire league is essentially doing that. After the games this past Sunday, there will not be another game until Friday night when 18 of the league's 20 teams will play again. So it's it's almost like a midterm break. And it's weird that we have a, f- a full week off, but it's also nice. You get you get into one of those uh, like routines of going to the rink all the time, and like you're so engulfed in this team. It's nice to just kind of pull back and be like, there's not snow on the ground. Take a look. You're like, wow, other teams are doing this. <laughs> you know, like you become so dived in being around it all the time. So it's a, it's a nice week off, I'll say that. Well, I will also say that even though we are only one quarter of the way into the season, which means, quick math for you, three quarters still to come, but fans are some kind of fired up, and it started again just this last weekend over three-star selections in the OHL. Are fans fired up or are you fired up? Okay, I'm partly fired up, like, but it was brought to my attention. I got issues with it for sure, but I feel like if there is if there is a, a train of three-star bitterness, you are at the front captaining this thing. No, I'm not the engineer like of this you're, one. You're Thomas. You I, are the train. <laughs> chug a chug. engine. This is my thing on three stars, and and I will admit right up front, I think the entire concept has kind of run its course. I remember being a kid watching Hockey Night in Canada on CBC, and after the game, I would wait for the three stars to be shown in a graphic on my TV screen. I remember doing that, Popper. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's always kind of been part of the game. But I'm also an old man, and I ex- I accept the fact that we've kind of evolved, we've kind of moved on from that in terms of its importance. But here's the thing. The leagues are still doing it. I saw it on Hockey Night in Canada this past weekend, too. The three stars are still a thing. The radio station we call Games For sponsors the three-star award for the Kitchener Rangers. And we know that because of our association with the team and the awards ceremony that happens for the team every year, I can't speak for others, but I'm... I'd be happy to hear about it. But there is actually an award mm-hmm. for the most three-star votes. Yeah. So that's the one. I don't know if people care or not, but it seems to me, I certainly know when we are perceived to have gotten one wrong in Kitchener, I I think you're sheltered from it. You're welcome for that. I get feedback. <laughs> That's just because I'm a rookie. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I should just start forwarding all of my email to you. Yeah, the one day I start filling in for this post-game show, all of a sudden I'm going to start getting heckled. I do think there's also an element to it where fans who go to the rink and watch the game kind of in their minds pick their own three stars. This oh, 100% they do. Okay. I can, I can tell you a quick story, and I'm sure you know it from your time working with the legend Don Cameron. You, you walk down through the stands to go down and interview players in the postseason, you hear people, oh, I think this person should have been named. Oh, what about where was this person? You're like, it's three stars. It doesn't. And this is where I'm going to, this is where I stand, but I, I don't think it matters. Who cares? Well, this is my point. I don't want it to, to matter. The, well, no, it should matter, but care. it shouldn't be something that people get fired up about. It, trust me. For my playing days, I, I wanted to be a, a star. Anytime there were stars named, it was like, I wanted to be one. I'd be like, I made 32 saves. Sure, we lost 8-1, but that's fine. You know, well, this, I still wanted to be a star. This past weekend, we had two games in which the losing team, no, pardon me, the one was the winning team, right? No, they were the losing, the, the losing team both times. Picked up, they, they lost an extra time. One in overtime, the London Knights lose 6-5 to the Saginaw Spirit. London Knights sweep the Stars. They lost the game, and they swept the three Stars. Mississauga against Owen Sound loses in a shootout 
and the Mississauga Steelheads sweep the Stars. That's just not right. I completely agree with you that it's not right. I don't think it's that difficult a concept to say, okay, we have three Stars to award. The winning team gets two of them. The losing team gets one. There might be exceptions, but I think, by and large, that would be a good rule to go by. What if we just did, and I know it's been brought up, one star, or not even a star, player of the game from each team. Fine, fine. But I come back to this point then. Until you do that, until you declare that the way it now is, you got to pick them square. The three stars have existed as long as I've known the game of hockey. Okay, but, and this is where, this is where I disagree. This is where I disagree that it doesn't matter. Okay. That, if, let people get fired up. Who cares? Who was the three stars two games ago? For the Kitchener Rangers at home, let's say two Friday nights ago. I have no idea. Exactly. Do you know who knows? No one. The only thing that it does is it provides, it gives a player a pat on the back. It really has no effect on the wins and losses. It has no effect on numerous players because I know from my time down between the benches, it's a pizza gift card and a gift certificate, and a lot of players hand them up to the kids waiting there. Hey, kid, if you're going to a Ranger game this Friday night, you want a slice of pizza, go hang out by High Five Alley at the end of the game. Adam Maskerin and Jeremy Brocco did something special this past year where they gave it to kids that kids in need. That's great. But other than that, for the fans, it has nothing to do with you. If you come to the auditorium, if you go follow an OHL team and you're worried about the three stars, forget about it because it has no basis on wins and losses. It has no basis on what your team is doing. And anybody outside of the 100 people that sit around and wait and the 15 that call you every Friday night, Mike, don't pay any attention. So if a team wants to muddle it up and give three stars to their club every single game, win or loss... Let them. Does scoring have an impact on wins and losses? Of course. Who scored the game-winning goal for the Kitchener Rangers two home games ago? No idea. Okay. But that matters more than the three stars, which you used yeah. a similar argument. Well, because for. for sure. Okay. You can't name <laughs> the, the person who scored the game-winning goal. I can't name the three stars, but yeah. one has more weight than the other? Yeah, but oh. you can't remember either of them anyway, so why does it matter? Well, that's because my, my memory is horrible. <laughs> I, Fair enough. I should have done more preparation. I, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, listen, I, I honestly, I, I wish I didn't care as much as I did, but I'm, I'm all about the integrity of the game. I truly am. If you're going to have three stars, just pick the three stars the way they ought to be picked. And, I know what you mean. And but. a good guy who writes very good stuff for the London Free Press, and I quite like, good Baden boy, Ryan Payette pointed out to me that the London Knights use the three stars as basically an, a promotional exercise so fans can get their pictures taken with the stars of the game. So in other words, the London Knights kind of do their own damn thing while the rest of the league tries to do it well, except in Mississauga, tries to do it square. I don't know. I think I would advocate for this. Let's just get rid of it. Because why should we waste even 10 minutes of our podcast talking about it? Riley Damiani. You just looked that up, yep. didn't you? Okay. <laughs> Not a star, but a game-winning goal. No, he was third star. While we are on the subject of the London Knights and the quarter pole of this season, I said it earlier amidst the eight-game losing streak. I would like to point out I'm going to pump my own tires because you never pump them for me. Okay. When the London Knights got their second win of the season, beating the Kitchener Rangers, I said, watch out, here comes a run, and they ran off four in a row. But this team right now at 6-9-2, uh, and two, if I've got my math right, 
I'm telling you right now, I said it earlier, the hole is far too big. These London Knights will not finish top four in the Western Conference this year. They just won't. Do you think that they expected to finish top four, though? Absolutely. Really? Well, maybe not them, but the league did. I think the players probably did. I I would suspect. Even get, like, Joseph Raymakers is, is a good pickup for them. Don't get me wrong. Very good pickup for them. I guess maybe... Formanton's back, but still no Mete. Right, and I think they expected guys back sooner than they were returned from pro clubs, for sure. For sure. But they don't have a Mitch Marner. They don't have uh, a Tyler Parsons. They don't have a Max Domi to Mm -hmm. bail them out this year. They've got good players, but they don't have those game changers, those game breakers. I, I just don't see it. Look, it's not a bad hockey club by any means. I probably wouldn't want to meet it in the first round of the playoffs if it's, say, the 3-6 matchup or, heaven forbid, the 4-5. But I'm telling you, I'm going to stand by it. You don't they think they get fourth? They don't get to fourth place. Nope. Not in this conference this year. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's me contemplating whether I want to bet you live yeah, on our oh, podcast yeah. or not. How many more bets do you want to lose to me before you give up? Well, no, they're just friendly bets for anybody listening. Um, no, they're not. No, for anybody no, listening. Not. No. <laughs> A lot of money on the line. That's no, I'm right. Kidding. Yeah. Just popcorn and cookies. That's right. Um, I don't four, four, five. I I could picture them being in there. I, you know, not if, four. It, they're not going to open on home ice in the playoffs. If at the end of the day the London Knights finished first in the Midwest Division, I would not be shocked either. I feel like I've gone through my whole life to doubting them and always being like, oh, oh, that's right, it's Dale Hunter. And they do, don't lose. They don't take losing well. The biggest thing standing between the London Knights and first place in the Midwest Division is the Owen Sound attack getting their collective feces together. There's something just not that we did. I, I don't think I've yet seen the dominance I expected from the Owen Sound attack this year. And they were the preseason darlings of the Midwest Division and, and I, I would say the why. Western Conference. I don't know why. I don't. Maybe an expectation of McNiven coming back? Well, I think or so. Or hope? You lose guys like your captain and sent to Ramy. You lose guys like, um, oh. Palmu? Palmu, thank you. Petrus Palmu. I can read your mind. This thank is, you. We must have been doing this for a while. Yeah, of course, right? <laughs> I think we had this conversation off air before. We just Our podcast is really just us talking between intermissions That's and, right. and yeah. putting it on an air. <laughs> um, but you lose a couple of those guys, and I mean, I don't... I didn't expect them to be, well, and maybe because what did you expect them to do after what they did at the second half last year? That's very true. I mean, I don't know where you go from they there, They lost right? six games yeah. after Christmas. That's ludicrous. But I don't know. I think there's there's a, still that big hole glaring in net for the one sound attack. Nice. And I think not just a big hole. I think that's, like, massive. I don't disagree. And I'm, I'm a little bit surprised Joseph Raymakers didn't end up at the Bayshore. Uh, but it depends. I mean, what was being offered, if anything? Well, I think that they had their eye on a prize last year. And there may have, if you listen to some people, there may have been some, well, their GM said it, their head coach said it. There was a deal to get Michael DiPietro. And one side at the last minute pulled the deal off the table. And I think that they're hoping they can go back and get that deal this year. It's going to cost them a heck of a lot more. But, well... Word out of Windsor is that there is yeah, but no <laughs> deal to be made for one Mr. Michael DiPietro. You're right. And the Duchesne tourist deal when it came out three days ago was all a farce too. 
I don't believe that for a second. Like that, Duchesne was staying in Colorado. Well, I, Stop it. No, I'm saying that they were like, oh, no, they're that, you know, there's I always gotcha. people denying it. But Fair enough. I don't think, I, I believe that Warren Reichel is smart enough to say that I'm not trading him, I'm not trading him, to not upset people, to not make Mikey, as they call him down in Windsor, unhappy. And also, he knows that behind closed doors, if he tells Owen Sound, yeah, well, Kitchener's calling about him. And if he tells Kitchener, yeah, well, Mississauga's calling about him. It drives up the price. Well, speaking of driving things up, how about those Windsor Spitfires this year? That's a pretty (sighs) surprising first quarter. I love it. Well, and how much of it has something to do with Michael DiPietro? Almost everything. Right? Sorry, the rest of the Windsor Spitfires. But, right? Yeah. But I don't think they expected Sean Day back. I don't think they expected Logan Brown back. Mind you, he just got back. But still, listening to... Who was I listening to? I can't remember. They said at times, he it looked like he dominated. I think it was um, Sportsnet. He said that at times, it looked like he dominated in his return to Windsor. And he can, he could be that type of player. You start in the NHL and you come back and all of a sudden you got something to prove and you take what you learned there and you play like you did there back in this league and you can dominate. We've seen it at times with Kitchener. We've seen it with times. When Logan Stanley came back, I thought, oh boy. In his first couple games, if he plays like that on any given night, he, he'll dominate the league. He's just too big, too fast, too powerful, too driven. Um, and I think Windsor has surprised some people, and I think they're going to continue. Now Warren Reichel's got some interesting decisions. I don't think he expected Sean Day and all those other guys back with Mikey. And now you <laughs> do you stay and be mediocre this year, and then, like, I, I don't know. But I think he's going to have to move them all at the, before the trade deadline. What do you mean? What's mediocre? They're, they've won back-to-back championships before. Just do it again. Yeah, well, <laughs> touche. And he, I honestly believe DiPietro is good enough that you logistically have a chance. With the guys they have right now in front of them and Aaron Luchuk playing the way he is, they they honestly probably do have a chance. Okay, we are totally showing our Western Conference bias here. You realize that. There's another conference. Yeah, Ten teams So playing, do apparently. 20 teams in the league. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at the record. How about the Eastern Conference this year? The The numbers are are pretty pretty impressive, quite frankly. And if you, if you were to look at the 1 through 20 seedings, you'll see... A handful of these Eastern Conference teams, hello, Barry, hello, Peterborough, up near the top of this entire Ontario Hockey League. Uh, Yes. Yes. But how impressive is it? We had the conversation. I can't, I often forget whether we have it on air or not, because this is all we talk about is this league. But we talked about, I think it was off air, because you talked about how reformatting the divisions and the conferences can benefit those Eastern Conference teams. Well, the best players are still in the West. And in this league, the best players win you hockey games. There are two Eastern Conference players in the top 10 in the OHL scoring right now. Record or not, the West is still best. I will never disagree with that. And I go back to your point about some sort of rebalancing of the schedule because I think the one way to make mediocre teams better is to put them up against better competition. So I still look at the numbers, point totals, that is, in the Eastern Conference right now with a grain of salt because how do you achieve those numbers? Well, you play against those same teams in your conference for the most part. Mm-hmm. And and that caliber of play, I'm sorry, but is is still subpar to the Western Conference. If you rebalance this schedule and make it three games at least 
per season against the other conference, you are forced to try a little bit harder, or I shouldn't even say it that way. You're forced to be that little bit better. And I think it benefits the entire league. But the whole rebalance, realignment discussion, I think, is one that's a podcast of its own down the road. And it might be. I just don't think it's going to make any difference. I think it would be great to limit travel for people. But I don't think that it's really going to make the Eastern Conference teams or any even teams in the West any better. I, I think that you're always going to have, like we've talked about, the haves, the handful of haves and the have-nots because some owners are just okay with having not. Can we just have a shout-out and some recognition for my Peterborough Peets? I called him. I called mm-hmm. him as my dark horse. Mm-hmm. I was on the Mississauga train like everybody else at the beginning of the season in the Eastern Conference, but I did select the Peterborough Peets as my Eastern Conference dark horse. So much like I am emphatically saying the London Knights will not reach fourth place finish in the Western Conference this year, the Peterborough Peets, by the way, best unis in the league. Again, it's a podcast unto itself, perhaps. Uh, but they're <laughs> going to be so. there. They're going to be there. Trade deadline. I think they'll be acquiring. And uh, this is a team, I think, that's going to make a little bit of noise. And knows it has a chance this year. And if only Stevie Lorenz was still there. Waterloo right? boy. Yeah. We've, t- we've talked with him on here before, too, about how awesome that kid is. Um, I think... I think I was there with you because I believe when we were up in Peterborough last year, we talked about how exciting this Pete's team would be this year now and even into next year. Um, they got some high-end guys and, of course, Dylan Wells on the back end, yep. a premier goaltender in the OHL, especially in the Eastern Conference. Outside of those two, though, I don't know where Barry falls into this because I'm sure we can talk about Barry. Kind of a surprise. Well, no, it's 100% a surprise Absolutely. To me. From where um, they finished last year yeah, to where they to, are. Yeah, first in their division. I, I think it's a Mississauga Peterborough conference. I, I wouldn't dispute yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I think that's where the the disconnect is with the East and West. With the East, it's usually one or two teams. With the West, it's like obviously last year was a bit of an exception because everybody decided they were going to go for it. Uh, but it's usually five, four or five teams. Is there a bigger surprise for you at the quarter pole of this season than the Sarnia Sting? Fourteen straight wins. Yeah, that's yeah. the surprise. I mean, if you said that they were first in their division, I'd be like, okay, sure. That's a, that's a right? division that features the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Yeah, I'm well aware. Okay, I'm well aware. Getting Jordan Cairo back at the time they did, Huge. he's massive. He is so electric and a game changer. Really, I didn't think their goaltending would be that strong or their defense would be that strong. Um, obviously, the Sioux were the big favorites in that division. I love Matthew Volalta. Um, but I, I think the only, and maybe I'm being a little biased, and maybe, maybe I am. So what? I think the biggest surprise to me is Anthony Dumont Bouchard. This is a guy that wasn't even in the OHL last year, had okay numbers in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, comes over to Kitchener, and nobody really knows anything about him. You talk to General Manager Mike McKenzie, he didn't know much about him. <laughs> Murray Hebert's making phone calls on him. They'd never even seen him play live. And then all of a sudden, he's leading the OHL in goals against average, albeit only seven games, but still obviously a top goaltender in this league. I, I think he's been a pleasant find for sure, a, a boost to the goaltending fortunes of the Kitchener Rangers without doubt. But let's not forget this is a fifth-year player in this league, right? He's an overager mm-hmm. in, in this league. I mean, the, the Canadian Hockey League. He, he ought to be uh, putting up some decent numbers. One would hope he's putting up decent numbers. Yeah, for sure. But I mean... 
you also were just let go by a Q team after a pretty decent season last year. Yeah. And kind of out in no man's land. B- wasn't it? Didn't they? Barry could have had him. Barry. Yeah, but Barry wanted Lazarev instead. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, p- our listeners can't see my eye contact. <laughs> um, I take ADB over Lazarev. 10 times out of 10. I would have as well, even without knowing him. Nothing against Leo. No, not at all. Uh, but uh, fifth year guy. Barry's not complaining right now. Well, that's what they? I mean, yeah. right? Like you put ADB on that Barry club. Holy cow. Maybe. Right? Maybe. Well, I think that Barry club, though, lives and dies that's with Stavechnikov, right? Well, we'll see. I guess. Well, that's just it. That's <laughs> right? just it. Yeah. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm sticking with Sarnia simply because uh, not only, uh, to be honest with you, I was starting to think when it reached, you know, into the double digits and got up to 14 games, this winning streak, I thought to myself, well, at what point do we start having the conversation about the CHL record for consecutive games won, which is owned by the Kitchener Rangers, 83-84, with 25 straight wins. The London Knights threatened that uh, a few years ago, 2012-13, when they had 24 in a row. Now, some people argued that a little bit with the extra time wins, overtime, and and shootouts in particular because those didn't exist back in 83, 84. It doesn't matter. 24 straight wins under the rules that you're playing by is phenomenal. So the Knights got up there into that conversation, obviously. When you look at Sarnia, with that kind of win streak, this is a team, Chris, that has been starved for success. They have not won a playoff round since Steven Stamkos was wearing the black and yellow jersey in Sarnia. I'm impressed by it. It's been since 2007-8 since that franchise has even won a playoff round. But wasn't it you that pointed out how many of those wins came against the Eastern Conference? I never said any such thing. I believe it was... I think you tried to make me believe that, but I didn't believe it. I thought it was eight or nine of the 17 or something like that. I mean, my math's off. You're probably right. It was six. Six six of the wins came against the Eastern Conference. Okay, I thought you brought it up. Yeah, I did. Now that you mention it, I remember it. (laughs) They're very deep up front. Don't get me wrong. I I love their offense. It's the defense that worries me. But, I mean, obviously it's working for them right now. And listen, they... I don't know. The numbers don't lie, I guess, but... I like to say that. Numbers never lie. But they're kind of like bathing suits. They show you a lot, but still leave something hidden. And there's something hidden for me there because, yes, the Eastern Conference, that's great, but what we saw in the lone loss at one point was to the Kitchener Rangers. They didn't look that impressive. And I don't think that... uh, I don't think their defense and goaltending can hold up. Justin, Justin Fazio. Fazio. Oh, yeah, come he's on. good, but yeah, he's not he's that good. good. Well, it doesn't have to be great. He's not have to be... fourteen and one. Good. It doesn't have to be Michael DiPietro. I guess good. not. No. It's working out. Darian Hatch. Like, I'm not going back to Sarnia. Darian Hatcher's going to look at me. <laughs> and you deserve. It's about time it's you and not me, Mr. Hatcher. Would you like to come on the Farwell and Pope podcast sometime? That's going to have to happen at some point. I think down so. The road. There's lots of stories there. Kitchen Rangers and Sarnia the... is a good story. It's a very good story, and I'm I'm enjoying it so far this season. How do you not look at the record? Kitchen Rangers come into the break or the quarter poll at ten six. And one is this, I, I listen, I said from the beginning of the season, I'm Mr. Fearless Prognosticator this year for some reason. Uh, I, I predicted a 43-win season for the Kitchener Rangers, so a little bit below the pace I thought the team would be on, but in the ballpark. This puts them at 40, obviously. I'll get there in just one second. I have to go back. Sorry, I just pulled it up. How many losses do, Saint, do, do the St. Louis Blues have to have this year before they readdress calling up Jordan Cairo? <laughs> he has 37 points. In 16 games. He's good. That's over two points a game. That's crazy. Anyway. Impressive. That's very, very impressive. I won't argue with that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) 
Um, Kitchener. They are probably six points, maybe eight points better, or they should be better than they are right now. You talk to head coach Jay McKee. He said they probably should have been nine and one after 10 instead of seven and three. I think there's games that they've let go, but and there's games that they probably wish they just could have played better in. Um, but there's still lots of time. This is obviously a team that's still growing. They've had some uh, injury trouble, and some their back end was depleted at one point. Um, but they're playing the right way, and I know that's such a cop-out to say because it doesn't really make much sense and it doesn't really outline anything, but they are. If you watch this team compared to the last couple of years, they are playing the right way, and especially lately. If, if Jay McKee can get this team to buy into what he's putting forward – they will be very good, and they're going to push Mike McKenzie's hands into start starting to trade some of those draft picks they've accumulated. It's uh, it's a season for the Kitchener Rangers that I think it's uh, it's time for the team to make a little bit of noise uh, to make that splash when the when the deadline rolls around. Obviously, Sarnia is a tremendous surprise uh, to start the season. We'll see where they are come the halfway point. Sault Ste. Marie is where we expected them to be. What happens with Windsor? My my only question to you is, and I trust you more than myself, I guess, at this point, but if if Michael DiPietro isn't moving and if Windsor's not going to move the likes of Logan Brown and Sean Day, who? Who are some of those names? I don't think there's there's there are there aren't many of those big fishes out there this year. No, I think that's a that's and a fair point. But we, I, I only said that Windsor and what I had heard out of Windsor is that DPS is unavailable. That's the only Jim Parker told name. me that during our broadcast. Exactly. Um, Great yeah. writer for the Windsor star. Fantastic. So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know if there are many pieces out there or if you just add a second or third line guy. Like, I don't think what we saw last year is probably the abnormal being that it was a complete arms race oh and everybody gosh. was trading everybody. That's true. Right. It's, it's an add one or two pieces kind of year i think the erie otters have parts to part with this yeah. year right yeah, you could you could probably pull something out of there like if you were pull, like gardening a radish or whatever <laughs> see what you did there that Gar- was bad I, I that was a stretch wasn't it at least you didn't bring up a rutabaga <laughs> I, I love a rutabaga we are uh, off to windsor for the weekend home and home with the kitchen arrangers good time to remind you uh remembrance day I love what the Rangers, call me biased, I don't care. Uh, I love what they do. The Remembrance Day jersey has been unveiled. Fans are already excited about it. They will, of course, be auctioned off, and uh, the monies will support various veterans organizations around the region of Waterloo. But the real point I wanted to make with Remembrance Day is, remember, there's a reason we call this the Memorial Cup in the Canadian Hockey League. It is a tribute to our war veterans, and I think it's a fantastic thing. I agree. And remember, it's not the Mem Cup. That's right. It is the Memorial Cup. It is indeed. And we are lucky enough every Friday night, for the most part, to broadcast from the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium. That we are. So we will continue bringing you the stories from uh, around this league and our general observations of it. This is the quarter poll. Who knows where we go next, except to Windsor on this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. I'm Farwell. I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.